This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now, the time is 8.12. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, the 19th of July. And this morning, our topic of discussion will revolve around MTSU. And this morning, our first guest in studio, Dr. Greg Van Patten, Interim Dean of the MTSU College of Basic and Applied Sciences. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Now, what's interesting about this title, you went from focusing on, what, chemistry, only and then now your basic and applied sciences which covers so much stuff right we've got we've got cows we've got airplanes we cover everything from quantum physics to, to concrete mix in in my college that's kind of wild I mean, that, that is a lot to cover yeah it really is and it was uh pretty eye-opening as a, as somebody who's been focused entirely in chemistry for the past 25 years to to have to deal with this uh, scope now with this change this is going to be a i guess a one-year situation where you're helping in a sense to find the next is it the next uh provost or, or what what is it the dean so of it's it's the next dean there will be a national search for a uh, for a permanent dean um i i may be a candidate for that that uh position as well but yeah right now my appointment is for one year and it is keep keep the ship afloat you know now if i understand correctly bud fisher was the one who was in this position over the mtsu college of basic and applied sciences and he moved on to western kentucky Right. So I actually arrived here at MTSU nine years ago, the exact same time Bud Fisher did. So he and I sort of have been here the, the, the same time. I've been working as a chair under him the whole time. And yeah, he left the college in, in great shape. So, um, you know, that allows me to focus on specific things. But I, I know the chairs in the college. We get along well. We work together well. So, uh, yeah, as, as far as uh, uh, keeping things running, uh, it's functioning very well right now. You know, it seems like there are a lot of ties with Western Kentucky and MTSU. It seems like a lot of times there's a lot of professors who come to us from there and vice versa. So I, I guess that university does have a lot in common with MTSU in a lot of ways. They do. It's it is a it's a natural rivalry uh, for that reason. And and yeah, it is a similar uh, college in a lot of ways. And and there were uh, professors in my uh, chemistry department when I was there who uh, had had gone to Western Kentucky and uh, thought fondly of it. So uh, yeah, it's like the 100 mile rivalry. It was exactly 100 miles away or something Just crazy. About, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So what all will you be doing in the College of Basic and Applied Sciences? Because I know you said it covers so much, everything from aerospace to cows. <laughs> so as I mentioned, at, at this time, I think the college is, is functioning very well. I want to make sure that uh, during this transition of leadership that we don't lose uh, any of our external ties and relationships. You know, this is a time that uh, lines of communication can sometimes be dropped. And so since I'm familiar with the operation, I'm immediately to put, uh, able to put my energy into those, uh, those kinds of areas and make sure that uh, I'm talking with, with friends of our programs, with our external advisory boards, uh, with other educational institutions, and even with uh, private sector companies. So what types of interesting things have you already come across since being there? Wow. So, uh, well, one of the things uh, is uh, our aerospace program. You know, it's growing very, very fast, um, and it's uh, uh, started to put a strain on, on uh, uh, the 
airport, the capacity at the airport, at, at least that's the way the city feels about it. And so we've been looking at, at those issues with them uh, to try to see if we can uh, resolve those. Uh, I've, we've got the fermentation science program and uh, trying to build and maintain ties with uh, some of the, the companies in the area. Those are uh, two big ones that come to mind. Now, I know right now MTSU works out of the Murfreesboro Airport here in town. Is there a chance that they will also, or, or maybe even have a base, if you would, at the Smyrna Airport, which is larger? Uh, we are talking about having different bases of operation, that, that there is a possibility that some or all of our activities could move uh, away from Murfreesboro. Smyrna is, is something that we would certainly consider. It's a great airport. There are other airports in the region that we're also looking at as possibilities on that. You know, I, I know the airport located in Shelbyville has some room to expand, and I don't know if that's something that MTSU has looked at yet, but if it is something that MTSU has looked at, what would they do out there? Well, so right now the focus is on our growing pro pilot program. The fleet is growing fast. And so the first thing that we would look at uh, moving at least part of our operations with would be uh, some of the fleet and some of the flight training, the, the, the pilot training program. Uh, if we do move, then a longer term goal might be to also co-locate other parts of the, the aerospace program. We've got six majors in that program. So we, we do everything from flight dispatch to maintenance. Um, to, to aircraft technology and, uh, and even drones. Uh, so all of that or any part of that could potentially move away from Murfreesboro. So realistically, if MTSU were to move their aerospace program to where you know, the flights take place and all that to another airport, it would be good to find somewhere where you could actually build multiple buildings if needed and hangars. So that's right. Um, Regardless of where we end up, you know, we do have plans to, to further expand the program and to increase enrollment over the next five years or so. And, and you're right, it, whether we stay in Murfreesboro or go elsewhere, uh, additional building, additional capital expenditures will be part of that plan. Again with us this morning, Dr. Greg Van Patten, Interim Dean of MTSU College of Basic and Applied Sciences. Is there a goal to keep that aerospace program based within 30, 40, 50 miles of Murfreesboro, or what is the limit? We haven't talked in terms of a specific limit. We want to keep it as close as possible. We, we actually still love our home base in Murfreesboro. And uh, if, if there's a way to, to you know, keep things here, I think we're going to work hard to do that. Um, but, but as you mentioned, Shelbyville is, uh, is an attractive alternative also. There is room to grow around that airport. Um, Smyrna is a possibility if, uh, if they're amenable to, to hosting our expansion. Uh, that, that's another possibility. Um, even Lebanon, I mean, is, is not too far away to uh, consider. But yeah, we would like to stay as close to our main campus as we can. So all of this is not necessarily a, a bad thing for Murfreesboro if, you know, MTSU were to move to another nearby city because Murfreesboro just shows our airport's growing as well. That's right. And and so traffic into Murfreesboro, other general aviation traffic is growing. And, and that's part of the, the issue. And we've been uh, talking over the past uh, weeks with the leadership at the Murfreesboro Air, Airport to make sure that, uh, you know, as this transition happens, that it happens in a way that's the least disruptive for us and for them. So, yeah, we, we're, we're talking with them and, and they're, you know, I think going to support us in uh, whatever we do. Uh, another program you mentioned was the fermentation program, which seems to be really getting a lot of recognition lately. I, I mean, that's another program that is really expanding. It is. It's expanding a lot. And uh, fermentation is such an important uh, uh, process for for. Uh, 
us, not, not just for uh, alcoholic beverages, which is what seems to be getting a lot of the press, but for other types of food and even non-food kinds of uh, technologies, making materials. So uh, that's one of the things that uh, some of the faculty in that program want to highlight is how broad an impact fermentation has on our lives. You know, and it's interesting because right here in the Rutherford County area, we have you know, everything from places that make alcohol, distilleries, if you would, and then also places that make yogurt. So there are a lot of things in our immediate area that I think a lot of them are forming partnerships with MTSU. That's right. We are we are trying to build, as I said, and maintain those relationships. And that's that's where I'm putting my effort right now. And I'm, I'm actually even reviewing some of those and, and trying to find out what's still missing at this point and if there are opportunities for a further expansion of those. Now, how does military science play a role in what you oversee? That is the College of Basic and Applied Sciences. Well, so military science houses our Army or ROTC program. So this is a great way for students to uh, um, take some, some courses that will uh, give them leadership training, uh, allow them to, to serve their country, and uh, in many cases also give them a chance to help pay for their education. Then also we have concrete and construction management, which is another program that's gotten a lot of publicity lately because of that upcoming race that's going to be in Nashville, the IndyCar race. That's right. So uh, we've got the uh, the Music City Grand Prix coming up next month. Uh, some of our students and faculty are participating in building barriers for that. That program is is one of our strongest, and uh, they do a great job not only of training their students but placing them. There's such a high demand uh, for for those students when they come out. They they all get jobs and they all get great jobs. Now, at the start of the Concrete and Construction Management School a number of years back, I know a lot of students were leaving MTSU once they graduate headed to Florida for jobs, but now that has kind of changed a little bit. A lot of folks are actually remaining in Tennessee after they graduate from the concrete and construction management program. That's right, and and part of that is probably because of the the huge uh, increase in construction that's been going on in Middle Tennessee. You know, this is and it's it's something that's not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, Murfreesboro is growing. I was just reflecting on that this morning as I was driving in. How much it's changed in the time I've been here, but but all of Middle Tennessee is going to see a really high rate of growth. Now you've been in Murfreesboro at MTSU for how many years? Nine years now. And so prior to that, where were you? So I was at Ohio University. I spent 13 years there. That was my first academic appointment. So I, I got tenured as a professor there and uh, uh, really built my career there and then moved down here when we noticed a chair position was open. Uh, my wife's family is from Tennessee, so we came down here to visit frequently and always sort of had in the back of our minds that it would be a goal to, to relocate to Middle Tennessee if we had the opportunity. So over the last nine, ten years, you definitely have seen a lot of change in this area. Yeah, we really have. You know, we, it, it's and it, it really hits you in the face when you go through that that intersection at Broad and Memorial. I mean, that's uh, one of the main intersections, and it's unrecognizable from when we got here. <laughs> yeah, lots changed. And then downtown Nashville, there's new buildings being built literally everywhere. Right. The the skyline doesn't look the same. That's right. As you pass through uh, there on I-40. Again with us this morning, Dr. Greg Van Patten, Interim Dean of the MTSU College of Basic and Applied Sciences. And right now, the search is, I guess, officially on for what they're going to do next, I guess, for the next dean. And uh, you're lined up in that search party as well. You could be the next dean as well. Uh, but they are doing a national search. They will do a national search. It hasn't quite started yet. It hasn't po uh, been posted. It'll probably be um, September, I would guess, is when that, that posts. But yeah, it'll be a national search. So what are the, I guess, a few of the key highlights of that position that make that position so important? 
I think it's really about uh, serving as an interface between the great work that the, the faculty and the chairs are doing in the individual departments and allowing them to focus on the good work they do while I am taking uh, uh, a view that, that is a little bit more outward looking and uh, allows me to, to make sure that they're able to make the connections that they're able to, to make. Uh, there is some oversight, of course, but um, you know, like I said, I work so well with those chairs. Uh, that really doesn't uh, take that much of the of the time. It's really about the uh, external uh, interactions, I think. So within this College of Applied Sciences, they also have a brand new science building that first opened in 2014, which is pretty cool because a lot of the departments, they're working in buildings that are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old in some cases. So that experience was important for me. I came here right as that uh, the construction on that building started. My first two years were spent in meetings, uh, figuring out the, the construction details with, with the, the construction firm, and then also planning the move into the building. So I've got some familiarity with that. And that's going to be important because we're in the process of building now a new uh, building for our School of Concrete and Construction Management. We just got approval to uh, uh, start the plans to, to build our new engineering technology building. Uh, and we're doing renovations for our math and computer science program over in historic uh, KOM. So yeah, the, the construction is, is ongoing, it's exciting. And I also uh, got to experience the huge change it makes in uh, what you're able to do in terms of teaching and research. Pretty cool. You know, MTSU is one of those campuses, unlike probably just a, unlike any other campus in a lot of ways because we do have so many new buildings compared to what other colleges are seeing now we like i said we still have some buildings that are 30 40 50 years old but we do have a lot of really new nice buildings we do and and it really enables us to uh a attract great great faculty and students but it also that space is functional and it's functional in a way that the the older space isn't and so it allows us like i said to to teach in new ways and to do research that uh, isn't really possible in in some of the older spaces so it's really exciting that we're getting to renew that space over time and uh, yeah it's going to give us a competitive advantage over a lot of other universities i get our guest this morning dr greg van patten interim dean of the mtsu college of basic and Applied Sciences, and uh, I appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Time right now, 826. Stay with us. We have more news and information coming your way from MTSU. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Come on over to Music World and Drummer's Den for lessons on any instrument with strings, keys, or drums. We also have a full line of live sound, uh, amplification, PA systems, lights, everything you need to play your local venues. We are your local music store. You need to come see us. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. We have a club steak, and the club steak can be cooked to any flavor that you want. It is the club steak. It's a seven-ounce piece of steak, and we named it that way because it looks like and it has the shape of a golf club. We have a low-calorie menu and a low-carb menu. So depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero, Norm Elzir. We talked to a World War II veteran. What would be the closest moment to death? Was that being shot down that one time? Were you ever oh, captured or anything like no, that? No, we weren't captured. I landed in a tree and I was unconscious. I woke up, there were three rifles pointed at me. Strange uniforms. One guy says, Englishki, Amerikanski, Germanski. And I said, American. And he cut me down and hugged me. These were the Chetney people that took care of us. That was really something. There was a guy by name of General Draza Mihalovich, general of the king's army, and the king was deposed by the Tito, the communists. But this general told his people, you take care of the Americans. He always did that. Tell us how you got rescued. A gentleman by the name of Vajonovich, he was in the OSS, which is the CIA today. They had put together this idea of coming in and getting us with airplanes. They come in with C-47s. Each C-47 had six P-51 escorts. And they come in, it was about one in the morning, and I was on the first plane out because I was sick at the time. That's what this book, The Forgotten 500, refers to. They actually flew out over time, 500, saved us. And all of our names, there were rescues in the back of that book. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 8.30, you're tuned to WGNS. And in studio now with us this morning, both from MTSU, we have Dr. Vincent Windrow, Associate Vice Provost for Student Success, and also Brelinda Johnson, Scholars Academy Manager in the MTSU Office of Student Success. How are y'all doing this morning? Great. Good morning. Got a lot of success going on here. (laughs) (laughs) How about that? That's the name of the game, right? That's right. So speaking of success, you guys have been successful with uh, several different grants that are going to help out students. What? Tell us about those, I guess. Sure. Um, I have the Accelerated Mentoring Program, which is uh, what we're calling AMP, which is a program that helps students to get acclimated with the MTSU campus 
while they're transitioning, either in their first year or their first year trans, uh, transferring to MTSU. So they are assigned a peer mentor and um, they are working with that peer mentor throughout the fall and the spring semester. And there's some other great components. They get some one-on-one coaching from um, student success coaches. There is a financial um, support where they get awarded micro grants if they need them for things like textbooks or just basic life needs. They can get up to four hundred dollars each semester for that and we also are going to check in with them throughout the semester through some student success checks where we ask the instructors in the fourth and twelfth week how are they doing so we get feedback for them so it's kind of a comprehensive I call it holistic program where we're going to be able to help them with their needs and making sure they have a strong first year at MTSU. You know when you look at colleges all across the nation over the years there is one thing that really stands out that has changed and that is well programs that are focused on making sure the student is is successful and I guess just teaching them some skills that will help them out in in the real life world and you didn't used to see that in years past it was just education of the regular old books you know it wasn't all this extra stuff well here's the thing scott that that universities used to be university centered they used to say well we have the university the students come in and and we want them to be ready for us the better thinking and the better led uh, universities now have this student-centered approach that says we want to make sure that we are ready for them. We have all of the all of this research, 75 years of research in higher ed that deals with student progress and student development, right? And so now the universities, the best universities and the best-led universities are thinking how can we be ready through preparation to receive these students from a different from different backgrounds and and preparedness. It seems like a lot of this started really when I was in high school where colleges would start focusing on you know bringing in students before they actually come into college they would bring them in for the weekend for a couple of days and then they would tour the campus all that fun stuff and then it would start with a freshman class where the freshman class would learn first about the school and then they would learn about the community and different things in the community and it seems like that all really started as a trend in the 90s or so but it's grown a lot since then yeah so so the summer bridge program concept uh uh predates that a little bit but it's it's to it's to your point this, these early arrival programs uh, allow and help support students become acclimated or assimilated to be made similar to the university's culture. This is who we are, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. So Ms. Johnson, not only is she the manager of the Scholars Academy, an early arrival program that you speak of, but also the STAR program, which, it, which has similar uh, approaches to student success and support. Absolutely. And with these grants, I guess both of you have brought in recently around $260,000 worth of grants. It's going to be used for student success, first of all, but what else is it going to be used for? Well, I think that's, that's, that's the main uh, thrust of the matter, is, is that, again, we bring students in. We've identified certain opportunities to help students, right, whether they need mentors or they need support in their writing skills, right? And, again, it's all about 
how, how can the universities support those students, right? We already know who they are based on their test scores, based on their high school transcripts, based on their testing uh, grades at MTSU. So we know the type of support that we need. It only behooves us. It makes great sense, economic sense and common sense to provide these types of programs. For example, we have a tutoring program that we've had for seven years now. We offer tutoring free tutoring in over 200 courses. Why would we do such a thing? Because we already know that students are going to need support in these types of courses. And you know, even though a student may be a straight A student out of high school coming into college, they may be extremely smart, but one thing stands out and that is the fact that a lot of kids today going into college don't know how to properly write and I think social media and texting mm -hmm. all that stuff <laughs> could be to blame for some of that you know the, it, it, you see incomplete sentences you see run-on sentences I mean, I mean these are all things that students come into college not having a total grip on and that's the basic of writing so so college is not 13th grade <laughs> They have been successful at doing what they've been successful at doing. They, they, they uh, performed well in high school. And, and if they're not careful, they'll think that college is the next grade. But mm -hmm. college is an entirely new uh, experience. It's, it's their first time on campus, the first time away from home, the first time with curfew, the first time with these elevated levels of expectations. And so all of these support programs, including uh, Ms. Johnson's early arrival programs, they are here and have been established to help students students transition and the right on program is one of those things that really helps out I guess those incoming students absolutely so we'll, we'll uh, wrap these services around about 30 students they have uh, peer writing mentors there'll be a, um, a grad student coaching them we'll get them connected to the University Writing Center all of those things are in support of their being able to communicate better through writing that will will uh, have them write these drafts of letters to the editor, uh, not only to engage them in their writing, but to to elevate their um, their um, their social justice piece. And so, a hundred thousand dollars in grants is going towards mentoring and then the writing skills program. Mm -hmm. uh, but how do you get picked for this? In order, you know, how does a student get into this? What? Go ahead. Sure. So the AMP program, we are recruiting students through our student orientations, and those students are able to sign up for the program. We are really focused on first generation and students of color. Any student is able to apply, but we really are pushing specifically for those underserved populations who we know need that extra support that could help them throughout the semester. And so it is an opportunity for us to be able to contact them, let them know that we'd really like to invite them to this program, and then they complete a form online. Again, with us this morning, Brelinda Johnson and also Dr. Vincent Windrow. And uh, now, Dr. Windrow, I think you're from here, right? I am. And you've seen the, the 1984 changes. Class with More, Oakland High School. <laughs> class with More. <laughs> you've seen the changes in our population over the years here. And, you know, Murfreesboro's really a melting pot of people. I mean, it's such a variety because of companies like Nissan, Amazon, and, and the list goes on and on. But we have people from all different backgrounds living here, but it's even more so all different backgrounds once you hit the MTSU campus. I mean, mm -hmm. you're bringing in students from everywhere, Japan, to our own backyard. You, you know, I mean, they're literally from everywhere. How does all of that, how do all the students come together? I mean, how do they all work together with all these different backgrounds? So one, uh, working together works. 
And uh, unlike perhaps in previous years and previous decades, the onus is not simply on the student to assimilate and, and, and to uh, forge their success. Again, it's also on the university to develop these types of student support programs to really uh, make the most of the situation. And while we can call MTSU and even America a melting pot, we still don't want to lose the power and the promise and the potential of each vegetable in that stew. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. so we don't want we don't want everyone to melt into the same mindset or into the same person. We're not trying to clone people. We're trying to get something to these students and something out of these students for them and for society's sake. And so you have, I guess, through these programs, you've identified or you're going to identify 30 Pell Grant prospective students or, or how, what, what does all of this come together to mean? Because I'm looking at these different notes here and there's just a lot of bringing together. I sure. Mean, it's just, sure. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and, and so, again, the onus is on the university. So when, when we look at student achievement, we look at student achievement, but we also look at university achievement, higher ed achievement. What part does the university play in the success of a student? And can the university be successful if, if its students aren't successful? Right. And so we've, yeah. ta we've, we've taken that 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 approach to say, hey, these are our students. We admitted these students. And so we have a responsibility to these students, not just to admit them, but to do all we can in a very equitable way to ensure to the best of our ability that they are supported through their matriculation. So how do you identify Pell eligible students? I mean, is that something that MTSU is going out and searching for? Well, you know, these students are. XYZ. I mean, how do you go about identifying that? Sure. Once, uh, most of them self-identify. And so there is a flyer, per se, that says, if you are first generation, right, if you are Pell eligible, then please consider this program. This program is designed to support your reading, your writing, your math, your assimilation in this type of way. And so a lot of these students, they are, like you were saying, first generation out of their family to actually go to college? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that 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 sets that that is that that can be challenging in and of itself. Wouldn't you agree, Ms. Johnson? Yeah, absolutely. So there's tons of different hurdles or challenges that students go through that they some that they don't even know that they're about to hurdle, right? So we're there to help accelerate that process for them to think think through these things, right? So what is going to happen when you get to this point? We want to give them some tips and some opportunities for them to see that there is support and resources on the campus to help them with basic things like time management, which we know is going to be a huge factor for them transitioning from high school. Things that like writing, knowing where the writing center is. Basic pieces of knowing how to be resilient, which we know if a student comes in and they are able to understand that they may not always be as successful as they were in high school, but there are opportunities and people and resources on campus to help them be successful, that they can bounce back and we can help them have a smooth first year. And when you talk about a student who is going to be the first in their family ever to go to college, graduate from college, that's a big thing in itself. And I'm sure some students as they come in, they haven't even taking the time to pause and look back and say, you know what, I, I am the first in my family to ever go to college. But there are a lot of those students coming into MTSU. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, some of those students don't even know what first generation means, right? So that's where we start educating them about 
this is who you are and identifying who you are as a learner. So this this may separate you a little bit from others, but that's okay, right? And so that's the reason why these programs are here for you because we have identified these programs are gonna be there to help you succeed. And also at the end of the day that you may feel like at a time you're doing it alone, but there are people on this campus to help you. It's important to note that that none of these uh, opportunities, Scott, we're, we're not throwing things up against the wall. These are best practices national best practices that we've culled and gleaned from those institutions who have higher graduation rates for students of color, higher graduation rates for first-generation students, higher, higher graduation rates for all students. And, and these programs are some of those that help support these students from all academic and socioeconomic backgrounds. What kind of research has been done and, and what does it show as far as, well, if you know, first in a family goes to college and graduates, what are the chances of their children going to college and graduating? Because I know it, it is going to break a lot of different chains and it's going to totally change the mold for years to come. Well, well, let's talk about an anecdote. So I am first generation myself. I'm the first in my family to attend and graduate from college. I have a, uh, a doctorate degree now. So in, in our household, my wife is a graduate of MTSU. So in our household, uh, higher education was automatic. It's what you do, right? It's just part of it. No one, the, our two kids didn't think uh, about anything other than college. They were thinking beyond college when they were coming through K through 12. Right, and so it's that type of influence, right? And it may not even be spoken in some households because it's just the thing to do. It's automatic and it's not an aberration. It's not, oh, they're going to college. No, it's just, it's who we are, what we do and how we do it. And I guess even in those families where, you know, the mom and the father are both graduates of college, if that child doesn't decide to go to college, they're still in that mindset of moving forward, achieving, and mm -hmm. therefore they're going to be successful in other ways if they decide not to go to college. Absolutely. Sure. And, and, and so here, here's another piece for those first generation. And let's talk about first generation uh, um, pale eligible students. In, in many cases, the hopes and the dreams of the family are rested on that student. And so there's a, a certain degree of pressure and weight on that student to, to succeed. And we want to help to bear that weight. We, we want to help that student through. Because again, it, it's something, it's a generational uh, benefit, not just a one time, right? And so if we can get this student through college, help them uh, reach their potential, that there, there's nothing that they can't do and there's nothing that their children can't do. That would be a lot of weight on an incoming student. I mean, if, if they were to slow down and look at that, that would be pretty heavy. And also an opportunity. I yeah. mean, how cool, yeah. how cool is it to, 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 be the, uh, to be the family member who sets the stage for other family members to, to have success in college and beyond? So if anybody wants to learn more about this as we close out this morning, where can they find information? They can check out our website on the Office of Student Success at MTSU. There are opportunities where they can check out our early arrival programs as well as our grant programs AMP. Sounds good. Yep. Again with us this morning, Dr. Vincent Windrow and Brie Linda Johnson from MTSU. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. 
Time right now, 846. Stay with us. We have more information coming up. Hummingbird Hill is an equal opportunity provider. Hummingbird Hill is Smyrna's newest apartment home community for people 62 and older. Located at 443 Mason Tucker Drive. Income restrictions apply. Background and credit check required. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family owned and operated since 1989. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms at times here this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies, a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Good morning. Still very heavy traffic out here as they work this accident here westbound on 840 and Highway 41. Again, it's got traffic slow. People are rubbernecking as they drive by. That's 840 westbound here at National Highway, Highway 41. Uh, traffic still slow at times 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area towards Nashville from some earlier wrecks. Give yourself extra time. Gatlinburg Wine Cellar is home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Now, more than ever, start your mornings with WGNS. The Action Line with Bart Walker. Weekdays at 810. Truman Jones is on weekday mornings at 9 on WGNS. The Action Line on FM 100.5, AM 1450, and WGNSradio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. 848 right now. You're tuned to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. And uh, we are continuing the talk of MTSU this morning. And in studio now, we have Dr. Christine and also Dan Eichenfelder. A- am I saying your last name somewhat correct? Or You're, Yeah, it's Eschenfelder. You Eschenfelder. got really close. Lots of letters in there, but yes. <laughs> so MTSU Journalism is the department that you're in. I guess first starting out, tell us a little bit about what you do at MTSU. Well, also, I want to introduce one of our great students, Houston Chapman, who is here with us today. And he's the reason that we really love what we do at the School of Journalism and Strategic Media. We work with some really engaged, uh, outstanding students who want to learn. They love the hands-on aspect to what we do. So what Dan and I do uh, at the School of Journalism and Strategic Media is teach broadcast journalism. We teach uh, news reporting. Uh, we teach, what else do we teach? We teach uh, producing. video producing. Uh, yeah, we are launching a great producing program, teaching people to be news producers. We do video journalism. We have a new sports show that we just started. So uh, obviously uh, ethics, mass communication and ethics. So a really vibrant, exciting program. So in journalism, news has changed greatly over the years and the right. way people go about reporting it has changed greatly. How does that play a role with that incoming student getting into journalism for the first time? 
So many of our students come in, come in with great skills already from high school. Houston had a great high school experience. They come in uh, knowing a lot about um, internet. They know a lot about blog. They know a lot about um, doing video, uh, using audio. So we uh, build on the skills they already have in high school. We do a lot of digital mobile gathering of mm -hmm. news. Uh, we do we go out in the field a lot. Uh, we understand that people use their mobile phones a lot for news. They use the internet, they use social media. So we do a lot of lessons that include those those skills. And in this day and age, so much news is produced out in the field or at the scene of the story, and then it's immediately put online or put on air. And it's wild how quickly things unfold. Oh, yeah. And it didn't used to be that way at all. Right. You would have a deadline for when the story had to be finished producing and, and then put it on, I guess. So how does that change the, uh, I guess, how accurate news is? Well, we're in the business of verification and accuracy, and right. that's at the core of everything we do. We have to confirm the facts. We have to make sure it's accurate. We have to make sure we have good sources. We'd rather be right than be first. It's tough. You can't, you can't be, it's tough to be first to get it out there, but be accurate at the same time. So in the rush to be first, you have to confirm first. And then you have so many different websites out there that are, are really just blogs and people are looking at them as actual news sources, but in reality, they may not be at all. Right. Houston, what has been your experience as a student, how we've taught you to, to do that, to be quick, but also to be accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really just, you know, verifying the source and making sure that, you know, you get all the details right. But um, some people, I know my friends sometimes like, oh, you just want to get out the fastest, you know, get out on Twitter as fast as possible. But, um, you know, through the classes they've taught us, you know, get the story right, because you'd rather have a right story than a wrong story. Yeah. And Houston is quick, I can tell you. He came in with such amazing technical skills. We rely on him a lot when we're, sometimes I'll say, Houston, I, I can't get my internet or I can't get the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and he knows which buttons to push. So I think there's a lot of interaction between students and faculty. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I know when I came in, I'm mostly a sports guy. I'm, I'm mostly sports media. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I came in also, I took uh, their classes and then I got into the news. And at first I was like, I didn't really want to be in news. But now it's like, I, I love running the studio. I love running the show. And it's really fun interacting to all the different students the assignment managers and stuff like that just because you know the collaboration is a lot of fun and you get to help people and uh, it's just, just a lot of fun and that's the thing about middle tennessee news middle tennessee news is is not just a club we are actually a faculty-led class classes um, there's three classes that contribute to middle tennessee news there's a reporting class um, a video journalism class and there's a producing class. our wonderful producing class yes mm -hmm. and our producing class is is basically our staple that's a, that's our our uh um that's the future uh, it's in we, it's in the teaching hospital yeah. model so they come in and they do a live streaming newscast and we have anchors we have producers we have talent who come in and they're getting that hands-on experience as though they were in a newsroom that they were in a studio and when they graduate they're ready to go and we couldn't be more proud of our students and, and Houston was uh, instrumental and he's a rock star on this they created a Blue Raider Extra Point which is a, a new local sports program we cover Conference USA uh, they our students said we need a sports show and Dan and I said okay and Houston said let's do this so right. tell Scott a little bit about what we did with tennis and Blue Raider Extra Point. Yeah, so with Blue Raider Extra Point, it's our 30-minute pregame football show. It airs on uh, Channel 9, uh, 30 minutes before kickoff. 
and it's really great. We have our you know three anchors. We shoot it live at a or or late live to tape, I guess, to a, a party foul. You know here in Murfreesboro, and uh, it's really great. We have you know five franchise segments. You know covering the Conference USA football and stuff like that. So everybody has their segment they do throughout the week, and um, you know we, we record it and uh, it airs on Channel Nine. It's really great. And then yeah, also True Blue TV. Yeah, True and then uh, tennis was great. Uh, we got to do a live play-by-play for MTSU men's and women's tennis over at the ATC. We did all 32 matches, indoor and outdoor, and it was great. We had like you know 12 different crews of commentators getting experience, and uh, you know I got to do all the setup and getting the we uh, streamed it live. You know obviously, so I got to do all the production behind that, which is kind of my favorite thing to do. And um, it was great. I can't ask for any better experience than that. And that one airs on CUSA.TV, so they exper- they get experience with the national, international, because these are international players. So uh, folks from the Netherlands, whose whose boys playing on on Jimmy's team, Coach Jimmy's team, actually gets to gets to see their boy play. <laughs> so and we get to, and these guys get the experience of analyst and play by play. Now, within the School of Journalism at MTSU, several different awards have been given, and and most recently, there were quite a few. Tell us about that. Oh, we were delighted. We have fantastic students, and we knew they could could do award-winning work. We knew knew they could. Um, Last year, as a journalist, you know, we're always looking ahead what events are coming up in the future for us to cover, and we knew the 100th anniversary of the first commercial radio broadcast was coming up. So we said, let's create a special media topics class where we can cover the 100th anniversary of broadcasting, but let's do it with a Tennessee twist. You know, the first broadcast was in Pittsburgh, so we said, well, what was broadcasting like 100 years ago in Tennessee, and where is it now? Because, as you know, you've witnessed it 100 years, things have changed dramatically, as you noted a few minutes ago. So we put together a wonderful group of students who had to register for the class. It was a seminar class. And when uh, the fall semester began, we uh, got together and my students pitched ideas. They said, let's interview the iconic Chris Clark, who was an anchor in Nashville for for decades. Fantastic. Let's interview some of the Grand Ole Opry archivists. Let's uh, put together a photo essay. Let's uh, get some archival footage from broadcast. So we, uh, we had a student producer who put the rundown together for the show. Uh, the students spent many weeks going out in the field and gathering interviews. And because we were in COVID, the heart of COVID, a lot of our interviews were via Zoom or Skype. And that made it challenging, but they pulled it off beautifully. They put together a 30-minute television special as well as an interactive website. Uh, that was for the 100th anniversary of broadcasting on the day. Uh, it aired on True Blue TV. It also live-streamed on Middle Tennessee News. The 30-minute special won the Broadcast Education Association Award of Excellence. Uh, it also won uh, a Silver Telly Award, which is a very prestigious award for students and professionals. And uh, the website won the Hearst. The student Hearst it, uh, was in the top 10 in the country, uh, up against programs like yeah, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, State. So the these, University these... of Florida, uh, the Cronkite School. So right. we were just, we were so proud. And that was our students working hard and really being engaged and really caring about the product and uh, I couldn't we couldn't be more proud of them we only have about two minutes left so in closing this morning if somebody out there listening would like to see some of these productions that have been made by the students how can they do that are they online 
Yes, you can go to middletennessenews.net. Uh, there's a homepage there where you can see local news, current events that we update. Uh, students like Houston are always working on that website, uh, making sure it's, uh, it's very interactive and very easy to navigate. If you go to the Special Reports tab, you can see the 100th anniversary of broadcasting the special as well as the interactive website. You can also see our coverage of the 75th anniversary of D-Day, which was very similar to the 100th anniversary of broadcasting, but in that case our students went to London, Paris, and Normandy and retraced the steps of the soldiers there and told the stories of Tennessee soldiers and sailors uh, in the D-Day anniversary. That's pretty interesting. And Houston, please talk to your fellow students out there if they're awake early enough this morning. Uh, why why be interested in our program? We've got like 40 seconds left. So. <laughs> okay, make it quick. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get involved with journalism anyway, whether it's sports, news, entertainment, uh, this is definitely the best program out there. I mean, you can start as a freshman right away and get hands-on experience. Um, I couldn't have asked for any bad experience there. And also, uh, you know, you can check us out on uh, YouTube for all our sports stuff. If I'm looking at looking out for all my sports guys out there and girls. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with MTSU, you can get all the experience you want, and uh, you get to use the best equipment. You have the best professors, and it's really great. And, again, that website would be middletennessenews.net. That's right, right Scott. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us Thanks this morning. Thanks for having us. And that wraps up our morning with MTSU, 9 o'clock right now, and we have local news coming your way next, followed by news from CBS. See a few scattered showers and thunderstorms at times here this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies, a high in the mid-80s. Winds out of the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70.